isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by waterwaystravel.com, surfing's premier travel concierge service. Since 1994, Sean Murphy has been traveling to the best surf spots on the planet to foster relationships with hotel owners, restaurants, boat captains, photographers, all to simplify and streamline the traveling process for you and I. And by the way, back through the heyday of the magazines and the brands, Waterways was responsible for organizing so many of the pro surf trips that I fawned over in those magazines' pages. And then now, through COVID and post-COVID, they've continued to adapt and modify their protocols to be up to date in constant contact with local governments to ensure that their clients are able to focus on surfing rather than the minutia that bogs down everyone else's travel experience. So start out by going to waterwaystravel.com, click on the destinations tab and start fantasizing. But when you figure out your priority, hit the inquire button. Somebody from Waterways will be in contact with you to give you all of the intel that you need. Tidal conditions, swell forecasts, what type of waves to expect, which boards to bring, how to pack everything. So these aren't just travel pros, they're lifelong surfers, which makes them invaluable for you and I. It's why I recommend them, it's why I use them. Waterwaystravel.com, enjoy. the most prestigious surf event on the planet, named after the legendary lifeguard who was lost at sea, was just won by an on-duty lifeguard during his work breaks. Super scary, waves were huge. There's a dream come true to be a part of the Eddy, to just be on the alternate list and then to be in it. 
happened. They've been fucking crazy. Tell me about some of these waves. You got 10, a couple nines, and you got, I think, another 10. Uh, out there, you're in tune like no other. <laughs> Tell me about your experience out there. Wow. I can't believe it. It's it's surreal. It's a dream come true. And fucking, uh, I got to get back to the tower. And, uh, like Eddie Aikau, who's a lifeguard here. How does it feel like to almost completely follow his footsteps? I'll never be as good as Eddie, but it's uh, someone to look up to and try to. Someone I aspire to be like. And, yeah. We'll get a I gotta get back to the tower to make sure everyone's okay until the end of the day. Go to the work Lillian doesn't get done. He's still got a job to do. Yeah. Congratulations on becoming go get the tenth and now big wave champion. Congratulations, huh. dude. Thanks, Chris. I can't believe that. That's can't believe that's true. On Sunday, January 22nd, just as forecasted. The Eddie Aikau Big Wave Invitational took place in 30-foot surf at Waimea Bay on the north shore of Oahu. It was the 10th time that this event has taken place since its inception 37 years ago. The event is scheduled every year, but only runs when the surf is big enough. The last time it ran was in 2016 when two-time world champ John John Florence took the title. It is arguably the most prestigious surf event in the world. It is invite only, 40 surfers are invited, and this year it was an open field of men and women, ages ranging from 27 to 65. The event's namesake, Eddie Aikau, is the reason for and the spirit of the event. The legend of Eddie Aikau is an important part of Hawaiian culture well beyond surfing. Eddie Aikau was a championship athlete, a family man, and the definition of a waterman. He was not only the first lifeguard at Waimea Bay, he was the first lifeguard for the entire North Shore. He is attributed with saving over 500 people throughout his career, and Eddie would surf the biggest days at Waimea when no one else would go out. Then, in March of 1978, while aboard the double-hulled voyaging canoe, the Hokalea, the boat developed a leak and one of its hulls capsized. Eddie attempted a 12-mile paddle toward the island of Lanai to seek help, but was never seen again. His family holds the Eddie Aikau Invitational at Waimea to keep his legacy alive and to inspire us to live like Eddie did, in the service of others. Well, this past Sunday, during the biggest and best Eddie swell that we have seen since the event's inception, another Hawaiian lifeguard woke up for work and during his breaks, while on duty, surfed two nearly perfect heats and won the event. He accepted the award from Eddie Aikau's brother Clyde, then went back and finished his work day. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and this is his story. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Luke Shepardson. Luke. Hey, David. How are you? I'm doing good. Great to finally connect. Yeah. Sorry, it's been just a whirlwind of things going on. <laughs> That's so good, though. How has your life changed in this past week? Um, a lot more uh, media and interviews than I've ever done in my life in this last week. <laughs> But other than that, still the same old me. Nice. Has, have there been any 
uh, big ones like outside of the surf industry? Yeah, I did an interview with uh, NBC Nightly News in New York, I believe they are. We watched that show, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. when it's going to air, but should be out soon. Um, first of all, I mean, congrats. It goes without saying, but hugest congrats in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. We have our surf heroes, and it's great to see when our heroes win. But this feels like we won. This feels like I won to a certain degree. So it's like the everyman story is just amazing. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, it really does feel like, even though I had very little exposure to you prior, I think I remember that 10 you got at that pipe event. Was it in the trials? Yes, it was in the pipe trials. Okay. And uh, and then I remember the following year, that story of you uh, making the paddle out at Waimea when guys like Kelly and Ross and maybe even John John got washed in. Um, I don't think John surfed Waimea that day. I think he was at a different outer reef. Okay. But it was, I think it was Kelly and Ross and I forget who else was right there. Okay. Kelly bet me a plate lunch that I wouldn't make it out and then I did. <laughs> and he didn't make it? Uh, he had just gotten washed in. He's like, I don't know if you can time it right. I'll bet I'll, get, I'll buy you a plate lunch if you make it out. <laughs> did he ever make good on that bet? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I never got a plate lunch from him, but Ross Williams gave me 20 bucks for a plate lunch. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hopefully he paid back Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So those, again, those are the first two times I really remember seeing you. And um, so whenever your name pops up, it's like, oh, those are my two reference points. And I didn't even realize that you had been working as a lifeguard since. So um, I guess we'll get into the origin story and how you got into lifeguarding, but let's start with Sunday. Sunday morning, you woke up. Did you know that you'd be surfing that day or were you just planning to work? What was the story? Um, I knew I was going to be surfing. I was an invitee, so I uh, I was had all my stuff ready, but I knew I had to work as well, and I knew it was going to be a really busy day, so we tried to get there early, but traffic was just crazy, crazy, crazy first thing in the morning. I drove down with my family, and we got to Foodland, and traffic was not moving, so I jumped out of the car and ran to Waimea from Foodland. It's only about a quarter of a mile or so, but... It took her about a half an hour to move that quarter mile to get to the parking lot. <laughs> Crazy. So what was your, uh, first of all, do you actually work at YMA? Um, I, I'm still one of the lower guys in the seniority list, so I don't have a set tower. Okay. I kind of just move all around on the North Shore still. Got it. So what was your schedule that day? Where were you supposed to be working and how are you going to fit in your heats? The captain told me about four or five days before to work my man because he knew it was going to be big. And I guess he trusts me to be at the beaches when they're big. Um, and then once I knew that the contest was going to run, I talked to my captain. I was like, oh, I need to make it legit. So I had to use uh, my vacation leave hours, a few vacation leave hours so that I wasn't surfing on the city time. I was surfing on my own time. And were you working in between your heats? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of the accidents that happened, but there was two surfers that got pretty bad cuts and I was there to get the gauze on them, stop the bleeding, and then get them to uh, a higher level of medical attention for them to be uh, treated. 
and then there's a few there's a couple rescues people getting washed into the river and then there's a few big sets on the left side of the bay people like huge waves coming up and washing through the crowd and then hitting the rocks and like making a backwash wave and almost trying to suck people into the shore break um yeah it was quite a busy day how do you focus on an event while you're doing all of that I think it was a good thing that I was working because I wasn't so focused on the event. I'm not a very good contest surfer. I get all the butterflies and nervous and what are they doing? What am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? This and that. And well, since I was at work, it was kind of just like any other big day where I would work and then on my break, I go surf. And then so it kind of kept my mind off of the competing aspect of the contest and just there to enjoy it and have fun. Watching the event and even the replays, you were clearly on the bigger, cleaner waves that day. What was your strategy at the start of the event? And then how did you execute it? Uh, my strategy was to have fun and be safe because the waves were very dangerous that day. Um, I do have my lineups that I like to sit at that I am comfortable sitting at and there's a certain look to waves that I like to go on. They give you a nice entry in and hopefully they're smoother on the face <laughs> and it just seemed to work out in my advantage. And yeah. It seems like the other guys out in the lineup know that spot really, really well. And they'd be looking for those waves as well. Were you sitting deeper out than any of them or what? I was actually sitting a little wider on the shoulder. I think everyone was really trying to like, push the limits that day because where I sit I feel like I'm somewhat deep everyone was way deeper than I was and I was like I hope it doesn't look bad from the beach like I'm sitting on the shoulder or something but uh it worked in my favor <laughs> is it like maybe only on the bigger days like that that those wide ones actually come or um yeah it's it's not necessarily that it's that much wider it's just uh when it is bigger, there is like a, there's a new, there's like the main boil when it's the 20 foot size, but then when it does go to the 20, 25 foot size, there's a, another boil that's just a little bit farther out and not quite as deep as the main boil, but it's still right. Like it's a good entry line. Can you talk about your familiarity with Waimea? How long have you been surfing it? How many times a year do you surf it? All that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I surf Waimea fairly regularly. Uh, I mean, as regular as we get big swells, which is not all the time, but when we do, I'm, um, I don't really like to surf it in the 15-foot size because it is so crowded and that makes it that much more dangerous. I like to go to other places when it's around that size, but when it is the 20, 15 to 20 foot size, then it starts to kind of thin out the crowd. You can just paddle right out in a huge channel to get out when it's that size. You have to know what you're doing a little bit, which helps the crowd out. Um, so whenever it's that size, I'm pretty much always out there. Um, the first time I surfed Waimea, I was 13, I believe, 13 or 14. Wow. And was on a 9-4 single fin. Tell me about the board you were riding on Sunday. On Sunday, I was riding a 10-0 four fin. It's a super brand board. 
I was sponsored by them for a few years. The board is about five years old, maybe six years old. But um, I'm not exactly sure who the shaper is, but mm -hmm. one of the people that were under Superbrand. Right. Yeah, that board looks like it's been ridden a lot. Yeah, it's one of my go-tos when it gets big. Big wave boards are a little different. They're glass heavier. They're made a little stronger because the waves are will break them to pieces if they're not. So they seem to last as long as they don't break or buckle. They gotcha. stay in good shape. <laughs> gotcha. Back to the course of the day. How did you celebrate that night after you found out that you won? What did you do that evening? Um, I went home and ate some pizza and went to sleep. I was worked. Uh, it was a long day for me. <laughs> and you had work the next day, right? Yep, back to work the next day. It is definitely starting to sink in now. Um, my dad's birthday was actually the next day. So we went out uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night because I was off the following day. And we had a birthday dinner, a little celebration dinner with me just my family and we went to ahi limo and haliva and had some really good food and it's really good the most poignant element of this story is the fact that you are a lifeguard and obviously eddie uh was a lifeguard at ymaa bay the first lifeguard on the north shore do you know the iCal family personally um yes i'm good friends with iCal uncle clyde's son I'm too young to know Eddie personally, but I've heard the stories my whole childhood growing up from being the first lifeguard at Waimea Bay to having kind of a perfect record as what I've heard, never lost a life while he was on duty. Yeah, it's really, really inspiring. Where did you grow up? Uh, born and raised here on the North Shore. Moved all around here on the North Shore. How did your family end up there? My dad kind of... He was into surfing. He lived, uh, his, my grandparents are from um, Southern California. They're from like inland Southern California, Alpine area, Alpine and Corona. Yeah. Um, uh, he loved body surfing and longboarding and he would always go to the wedge, the wedge when he was little. And then when he was, I think he was 18 or so, he got a one-way ticket here with 50 bucks and hasn't left since. <laughs> what year or what uh, decade would that have been? Yeah, early 70s. My mom came here on a, she came here for like some sort of vacation and then she came back on her own and then ended up meeting my dad. And a real funny story, kind of like, uh, what also inspired me to be a lifeguard is I wouldn't be here today without a lifeguard. He, uh, my dad had met my mom at kind of just like a passing by. And then the next day, my dad went out to surf, to handboard rock piles, body surf rock piles, pretty good sized day, he says. And he was, uh, went down pretty hard, knocked unconscious. And one of the lifeguards at rock piles pulled him out and saved his life. If, if it wasn't for that lifeguard, he'd be dead. Oh, my gosh. And then after that, he was all laid up at home after being in the hospital. And he ended up calling my mom like because he had just met her. And, hey, you want to come help me out and hang out? And then that's how it happened. <laughs> so their first date was her nursing him back to health? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great quality. Um, 
So when you were growing up on the North Shore, then did you have ambitions to be a pro surfer? Yes, for sure. I think every little kid surfing out here does. It didn't work out so well for me, but. Why not? Because um, I wasn't the best competitive surfer. And then when I had my first child, I knew I needed something solid and something that so I could provide for my family. So I decided lifeguarding was an easy choice. Get to uh, continue my lifestyle of being on the beach and being able to be in the water and then also provide for my family. So it's like, that's what I want to do. And I like to help people. So that that worked out really good. When was that? When did you have the kid and when did you start lifeguarding? My first son was born in 28, late 2018, and I started lifeguarding in January of 2019. Gotcha. Um, can you explain how water safety works for these events? Is Hawaiian Water Patrol the same as the North Shore lifeguards, or are there higher drivers and rescue crews that are not professional lifeguards? Um, most of the Hawaiian Water Patrol were are either lifeguards or former lifeguards and they are the hired uh, water safety for um, for the event but then the lifeguards are also there as well on the rescue units and then us on the beach so okay. kind of work together as a team the water safety is like the main uh, they're the first like the first keys that should be in there because they're hired for the event. And when they get to shore, they kind of transfer care to us if someone is really injured. And then we move it on to uh, the EMS. And they're all really, really, really good watermen. Can't say enough good things about them. They are guardian angels in the water. They're like they're top water safety crew in the world, I believe. It's when you see it on the webcast, like the Claw Grace uh, rescue during the Dehui event. Yes, I was there for that. That's one of my best friends. And I was on that case. And it was really, really, really scary seeing one of my good friends be down like that. When you watch the rescues, uh, the rescue effort, it's insane how good they are. Yeah, it was such fast reaction timing. It was like... Really, really, really good. Yeah. There's second. The yeah. one of the senators is here, or someone in the state thing is here to give me a thing. He's just dropping off a thing real fast. Take your time. I'll edit it out. Okay. Hello, Mama. Realwatersports.com. For any of you inspired by Luke who want to get into the big wave scene but just don't really have a starting point, consider realwatersports.com. Not only do they have surfboards, they carry big wave guns from Pizel, Christensen, Rawson, Maurice Coles. So right up there among the world's best big wave paddle gun shapers. But they also have everything that you need to go with that board. So Quicksilver airlift vests, Patagonia impact suits, full deck traction from MFC, seen a lot of those guys, John John included, running full deck traction. Uh, Real Water Sports also has big wave leashes and fins. They have travel bags to fit those gigantic boards, which of course you'll need if you want to run a strike mission to catch that next big swell. Additionally, as with all of their gear, 
Real Water Sports provides advice on which gear is right for you and how big you should go for your next big wave board. The inventory is unmatched and the advice and customer service is totally unparalleled. So realwatersports.com, shipping worldwide daily. Fantastic partners of ours here, so we're thrilled to be able to share them with you. Realwatersports.com. Thanks and enjoy. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, thank you for letting us take up that time. All good, no sweat. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, we're good to go. <laughs> All right. Um, we were just talking about Kala and his rescue and injury. How's yes. he doing? Um, Kala's doing really good. He's uh, 
he's on the road to on the mend. He uh, he is he's a really strong, really really strong, good-hearted person, and his body's reacting really well to all the crazy trauma that he's had. But he is he's doing good. What was the injury, or what were the injuries? Um, he drowned, so he had a lot of water and sand in his lungs, and then he had quite a few pretty bad cuts on his face from hitting whatever he hit, either the board or the reef. But yeah, that was the main injuries, was lung and face. It looked like his helmet came off from the wipeout on the wave, and then maybe the worst part of it came from the duck dive. Is that accurate? Yeah, so he, when he fell on the wave that he was riding, his uh, helmet came off, but he came up and he gave Nolan the all good signal. Like, tap your head if if you're ever in trouble or if you're ever in a bad situation, but you're okay, you can tap your head and the water safety knows you're all good. So he came up from that wave, did the all good signal, went under the next wave, went to duck dive the next wave and came up and broke his board. And then that one, he waved for help. I'm not sure if he was hurt then or if it was just because he broke his board and he wanted to get in to get another board to get back to the heat. And then the third wave, another surfer went off, uh, took off a uh, road, but that one was a pretty heavy closeout as well. And then that wave, Kala never came up from. And that's really, really, really scary. What's scary is to see how capable and how fit he is and for him still to be put in that situation or for you, the day you won, at the end of the day, when you're accepting the award, saying how scared you were, because I would be scared, but I see you guys and I'm like, I think that you're invincible, you know, so it's a quick reminder. Yeah, you definitely cannot think that when you're in the ocean, Mother Nature will slap you down It's always got to be humble and respectful and never pushing too hard or else you will end up in a bad situation. So Kala should make a full recovery then? Yes, he should. Good. Can I ask you a little bit about what that guy, I overheard some of that conversation. He was saying that there was some bill or something that changed that makes lifeguards liable. Yeah. So in 20, in 2017, I'm not sure what happened for it to be taken away, but so the lifeguards before were covered and if you rescued somebody and they think, oh, you didn't do a good job, they could, they would, if they tried to sue you, they would have to sue the state or the city and county. In 2017, that bill was removed. So all the lifeguards became liable. If you did a rescue and the person didn't think you did a good enough job, they could sue you directly and take everything you had. Um, I'm not sure if that actually ever happened, but okay, is reintroducing the bill to get us our liability protection back. That way we're not liable for not having to worry about people's families coming after us directly for they think if they think we didn't do a good enough job. That's insane that that would have gotten taken away. Yeah, it's crazy that that happened, but it did. And really thankful that Brenton Awa is, uh, trying to reintroduce the bill hopefully the senate and state will pass it back through and get it back to keeping us covered yeah let this be a psa for anybody who's listening or within hawaii and can vote on this to get behind that effort because people are so litigious even if you did a phenomenal job and you rescue them people are 
they can sue still for anything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's really, really strange. Scary. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about. It seems to me like the biggest threat for you doing your job lifeguarding. The biggest threat is people themselves, ignorant people who underestimate the power of the ocean, basically. And there's so many new surfers post COVID that we're seeing havoc in lineups around the world. Um, That's a joke we have in the towers: the COVID surfer. They totally. learned, it's a real they, thing. They learn during COVID and they think they're ready to rule. <laughs> well, look, I've surfed for 30 years. I know my limitations. I would not even think about paddling out at pipe when it's, you know, anywhere near legit. But there was a video, there was an epic video last year of yeah, a couple of, of guys. My, one of my coworkers snapping at some guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was and but it was perfect. It was like two guys who just by looking at the video, you could tell that they're not equipped to surf. Or was it at pipe? It was at pipe. It was about an eight foot, like a proper day at pipeline, and they were gonna paddle out on some nine foot NSPs or eight six NSPs, which is everybody knows is not the board to have out there. <laughs> no. And so it was very clear that they were not qualified to be out there. And so your friend, the lifeguard, was telling them very matter-of-factly that they weren't qualified. I was just, my question for you is just what is the official policy? When you see somebody paddling out that you know isn't qualified, what is the policy for how to handle that? Uh, we try to uh, inform them of the risks and the dangers, and we let them know that, hey, you're put not only putting yourself in serious danger, but you're going to put me in serious danger because I'm the one that has to come and save you. And I would really appreciate it if you don't put me in that position because I'm here to warn you of it before you get there. Because we don't want to have to get to CPR on somebody. That is like, we, that's what we really, really try to prevent. And that does happen. Accidents do happen. Like, the best surfers in the world totally some accidents accidents happen it's it's bound to and with like the game we play it's very heavy um but yeah the the ignorant or macho ego filled surfer that wants to go to the cool place because it is that place and i can surf it but they really know they can't they're not only putting themselves in danger, they're putting everybody else in the lineup in danger. And they're also putting the lifeguards in danger because we're going to have to be the ones to come save them. Exactly. Have you had to have that conversation with people telling them that they're not qualified? Uh, quite a few times. Yeah. Most of the time it goes pretty good. And people, they're just kind of clueless to like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. But then there is the person that is, has a real big ego and thinks that they're bigger than life and they can do whatever they want. That's the hard people to deal with. <laughs> Have you ever had that situation happen and then that person need to be rescued? Yes. Not necessarily for surfers, but just telling like swimmers, like, Hey, this is not the area to swim we'll recommend a different beach you can go here or there and then you turn around 10 minutes later you look out you're like oh my gosh gotta go grab this person now they get stuck in the rip or they get sucked out past the waves and they can't get in they're screaming for help 
in that scenario, were they then humbled by the time you got them to the beach and apologetic? Yes, for sure. Good. They realized that like we weren't just doing it to be mean, that it was, we were serious about it. <laughs> Localism used to control a lot of that chaos. You know what I mean? And now it's like, there's no localism creating order in the lineup or the threat of localism creating order in the lineup. So it really feels like a free for all, which puts the onus on the lifeguards, unfortunately, you know? Yeah, there still is a little bit, but with this day and age of social media and everything is filmed and captured at some point, somewhere, somehow, a lot of people don't want to risk their risk their careers to keep it in order and then that person comes and sues them and takes everything they have exactly a lot of those people out there that are just ready at any moment that they can do whatever they want and if somebody messes with them they're gonna sue them totally yeah let's talk about fitness what do you do in order to uh remain capable to do the surfing that you do and the lifeguarding um yeah so Every lifeguard shift we have, we have a lunch break and a uh, either water patrol or training bake. So on one of my breaks, I'll do some kind of either go surf or do a little beach workout or something, run the beach or um, do stuff like that. And then in winter, in summertime, it's more so training for winter. And then wintertime, it's just surfing and staying in active like keeping an active lifestyle that way it keeps you up because it's hard to tr it's hard to walk away from waves to go train <laughs> totally so are you actually spending time in the gym doing any weight training or anything like that um i don't necessarily do so much weights i do every once in a while i like to do jujitsu it's a really good uh mental game because being in the ocean is yes it's a lot of physical strength or like physical conditioning and stuff that you need for that but you also need the mental side as well because some of the most fit people i've seen in the world struggle in the tiniest waves because they don't have the mental and they don't know what is they don't have the knowledge and the mental uh awareness of what's going on and then they when you panic in the ocean that's when things go really bad yeah what about diet is there anything that you avoid anything you avoid in your diet um i try to eat a somewhat healthy i i don't really do much fast food or anything like that i i do like my steak and potatoes steak and rice and salad and fish and uh just a fairly healthy diet just stay away from yeah. the fast as much as I can, unless I'm on the road traveling and do what I have to do to eat. <laughs> right. Um, you're 27, right? Yes. You'll have to worry more about diet 10 years from now than you do at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Right now I try to eat as much as I can to put on weight and it's just not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do with the airline miles and the 10 K? Um, I'm going to take the family to go see our grandparents in California. Nice. Yeah. That's a great usage. Yeah. <laughs> really stoked on that. I've been trying to figure out how to do that. And now I got the, the free flights and money to 
go see the grandparents and have a little bit of fun in California. <laughs> Amazing. I'm, I thought for sure you were going to say surf trip, but I like that answer better. Yeah. Now I gotta, now I gotta figure out how to get some time off of work. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you had any exciting opportunities since Sunday? Um, yeah, there is some things happening. Uh, it's, there's a lot going on. I'm still trying to process it all, but there is some cool things happening. I see how they play out. Have you received an invite to surf in the pipe pro? I have not yet. <laughs> Dude, it's such a failure. If they don't invite you, you earned it. Yeah, I really would love to surf in the pipe contest because I love surfing pipeline, but I really hate the crowd. <laughs> yeah. The, the wave is dangerous enough as it is. And then when you have to get extra aggressive to get your own wave, it makes it even that much harder. Yeah. But surfing pipe with only three other guys out is a lot of fun. It's still scary, yeah. but it's a lot of fun the WSL would be blowing it if they don't invite you. Like not only, I mean, I understand like they don't even acknowledge the Eddy because it's not their thing that they're sanctioning, sanctioning, yeah. but you got a 10 in an event that they were running, you know, like you've earned your way. They know who you are. They know what you're up to. I think that they should absolutely capitalize on this and invite you and give you a shot. Yeah, I would definitely take it if I can get the, the time off to surf the contest. <laughs> um, the uh, I know you can't exactly reveal exciting opportunities that have presented themselves, but are any of them directly related to maybe a pro surfing career? Um, I'm not quite sure yet because I am not really interested in chasing the contest scene. As I said before, it doesn't. It's not. I'm not the best contest surfer. It doesn't. It's not why I surf to compete. I surf for the love of it to have fun and enjoy myself and competing kind of takes that out of surfing for me. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll have to see what opportunities, what happens and the way it goes. But if they're looking, if the things are looking for me to try be on back on the tour and competing and all that stuff, uh, probably say no, but yeah, yeah, I got to do what's best for my family and provide as best as possible. <laughs> if there was a sponsor that presented themselves that did not require you to compete, but allowed you to just free surf, would you consider putting your lifeguarding career on hold to pursue that? Um, it depends if it pays the bills and takes care of my family for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. So you would take it, take another shot at pro surfing if the circumstance yeah. was correct. Yeah. The life lifeguarding will always be here. Uh, it's what I love to do. And I'd be foolish not to take an opportunity like that if if it does present itself. Good. I mean, and the other thing is your bosses, everybody everybody in Hawaii would fully understand and support it, I feel. You know. I think so too. <laughs> um I've seen some stuff on social media about people wanting to kind of go fund me some cash uh to make up for the prize purse. You know, when John John won in 2016, it was a $75,000 prize purse. This year, there's not a big sponsor for the event, so it's considerably yep. less. But there's online talk about GoFundMe will cover the Delta. Um, how do you feel about that? 
Um, I am very grateful for what I received. I'm super grateful for the Ikaohana to actually raise enough funds to, uh, to even put on the contest because it is such a big ordeal with what it does to the North shore and the security and the scaffolding and all that stuff that they had to put on. So I'm super grateful for all that. Um, but I don't want people to take their hard earned money that they've yeah. worked. Give it to me. I, I hear you loud and clear. Um, people want to support you. I feel like, and almost this is like a learning experience. And I don't know if the ICOWs would, or the organizers of the event would consider it for next time, but for next time, they could even say in advance, if you're interested, throw 20 bucks into the pot and the winner takes all kind of a thing, you know, cause a lot of the people that I talked to got so much thrill out of watching the event. They're like, dude, I would kick in some money. No questions asked, whether it's a pay-per-view or just a donation thing. Um, it was a thrilling day of surfing and people want you to want you to benefit from it. You know? Yeah, it always is. Uh, the two that I can remember is 2009 and 2016 being a little kid is like, it's the biggest day in surfing there is. <laughs> Speaking of social media, why did you delete Instagram? Um, because I would get stuck on it and I too busy thinking of, oh, I could be here, could be there and not. So wasn't being as present with my kids as I needed to be. So I, I deleted it a few months ago, a couple months ago. I deleted it about a year ago for about three months. And then I really needed to get a hold of one of my friends <clears throat> one of my international friends and the only way I knew how to do it was through Instagram. So I reactivated it and then I was got in touch with him and then I got sucked back into the Instagram rabbit hole. <laughs> um, I know I used to follow you. And so when you won and I tried to search for you and you were gone, the fact that you had deleted it made me love you even more. <laughs> Cause I was yeah. like, dude, you're killing it. You're killing life. We all want to delete it. We're just so attached that we can't. And so the fact that you did makes me love it even more. Yeah. I'm trying, uh, with all of the stuff that's going on right now, there's so many people reaching out to friends or relatives or the lifeguard association or the ICAL foundation trying to get a hold of me. My girlfriend might be making an Instagram account with an email and stuff to get a hold of me, but I will not be running it or going on it, but it's just a way to contact me if people need to get a hold. <laughs> well, I encourage you to keep living the exact same lifestyle you have. Do not let this change you in any way. But if you can implement a manager, whether it's your girlfriend or an actual professional, uh, I really hope that you're able to leverage this to continue living the lifestyle that you are. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, that would be really, really cool. <laughs> Whose boards are you riding currently? Um, currently I just have all random old boards. Um, at uh, Pipeswell about a month and a half ago, I broke my only six, four that I had. And I actually broke my board and I came up and I was right next to Griffin Colapinto. I was like, Hey, you have any boards you want to sell or donate? And he donated a couple boards to me. So I'm super grateful. Thanks Griffin. He's a, he's a man. <laughs> That's amazing. What a story. 
Yeah, super cool. I was super stoked on that. It was like it was right after Christmas, so it was a it was a Christmas present. <laughs> a couple of mayhems. Yeah, I was super super stoked on that. So you don't have a specific shaper that you like working with? Um, no, I kind of just uh. There's a couple of local shapers, Brett Morimoto here on the North Shore, Brett Boards Hawaii. Yeah. He shaped real good boards. That's who I bought a quiver from last year or the winter before I had that. And those boards lasted about a year and then they're now broken. <laughs> so, but now that I got a little bit of money, I'm going to definitely order me a new, a new quiver. <laughs> Sweet. What I loved about asking you if the lifeguarding was a distraction that day and you saying, no, it's actually helped. What could be a better almost uh, qualification for surfing something like Waimea than lifeguarding and having ocean knowledge and ocean awareness and all that sort of stuff. So it really does feel like the most equipped person won the day, <laughs> essentially. It was really cool. It kept my mind off the contest and I wouldn't say I'm the most equipped. I don't have the all the top of the line gear but i'm definitely there all the time so <laughs> good well again congratulations i know you're super busy this week so i appreciate you carving out the time to do this well thank you thank you again david stoked to be on <laughs> you're welcome thank you and uh hoping to see all of this stuff develop into a lot of opportunity for you too thank you thank you me too yeah, you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome enjoy the rest of the day with the family Thank you. Have a good day, you too. Okay, bye. Mayor of the City and County of Honolulu, you hereby proclaim January 25th, 2023, to be Luke Shepherdson Day. In recognition of the inspiration and pride Luke provided, not only for surfers and lifeguards on Oahu, but also for his community, the rest of the city workforce, and spectators tuning in from around the world. Charging big waves takes courage. But doing so to save the life of a stranger takes heart. There's no question Eddie will be proud. Congratulations. How incredible is that? January 25th now officially marks Luke Shepherdson Day. Congratulations, Luke, to you and your family for this incredible feat. Also, I mean, a massive thanks to the North Shore Lifeguards, the Hawaiian Lifeguard Association, and the Hawaiian Water Patrol for the incredible work that they do, not only in these events, but just day in and day out. A lot of that is thankless. I think when we watch the commentary, there is thanks shared, but I think the day in and the day out is probably mostly thankless. And uh, not only is it no small effort, but they're putting their lives at risk as well. So huge shout out to all of you, not only on the North Shore, but also around the world. No, um, we have lots of listeners in that space, so thank you all. We appreciate you. And you can find all of these, um, the video that goes with all these audio clips, including the interview with Luke Shepard we have on YouTube, but find all of it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. 
every single show has its own web page where you can find video assets, links to sponsors, links to the social media of our guests like Luke, which by the way, I asked him why he deleted Instagram. He has since re-upped it. He has activated it again. So you can go find Casual Luke at Casual Luke on Instagram, or again, we've linked to it on Surf Splendor Podcast. What a show, what a week in surfing. The uh, WSL's Pipeline event, now dubbed the Pipeline Pro, should be starting this week. Uh, the waiting period is actually Monday, January 30th is when that kicks off. So uh, exciting stuff. Go watch that. Hopefully you join Survival League in time. And then um, we'll discuss all of it on our various shows, Spit, The Grit, and everything else. So until next week, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. And I'm encouraging you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and as always, shred on. Yeah, I would just like to thank the Ica Ohana for putting on such a magical event. Uh, I would like to thank my family and friends for supporting me and everything that I do. Uh, I would like to thank Hawaiian Water Patrol for being there and being the guardian angels. And also like to thank Ocean Safety for all the good work they do around the islands, keeping everyone safe and uh, yeah. Just thank you, everybody. Thank thank everyone for the support and all the congratulations. It, it means the world to me. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.